Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. to the summer and go for every single job that's out there. There must've been a million of them open that summer and uh, just don't even get close. And uh, ultimately when I turned 40 in the middle of August, uh, I was working at a feed mill about 20 miles outside of College Station just to make ends meet. Houses for sale, uh, blown through all of our savings. you know, we don't, we don't have anything left. Kids are having to change schools. Kids are going on reduced lunch. This podcast, 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness, is brought to you by our sponsor, SOS Rehydrate. It's an organic drink mix as effective as an IV drip. It's proven by science and used by elite athletes because only the best will do for elite athletic performance. So for all your hydration needs, our listeners today get 15% off if you enter the code MENTALTOUGHNESS at INEEDSOS.COM. This episode is brought to you by Some Sleep. Go to GetSome.COM. That's G-E-T-S-O-M.COM. We all deserve a better night's sleep. You drink one can 30 minutes before bed, and it's that simple. This awesome blend lets you not only fall asleep fast, but then wake up feeling absolutely refreshed, not hungover or foggy. You're going to absolutely love this product. And in fact, if you go to getsome.com and enter in the promo code Dr. Rob Bell, D R R O B B E L L, you get 10% off. Guarantee you're going to love this product. Go there right away. So, our, our guest today. Uh, it's going to be in his 24th season of college baseball. He's been coach at Northwestern State, Texarkana, Junior College, University of Arkansas, Texas A&M, Louisiana Lafayette, Raging Cajuns. Um, ready to start his fifth season as head coach of Sam Houston State. He has a wife, Kathy, over 20 years, three kids, Kyler, Claire, and Chloe. And you've probably heard our guests his press conference uh, after the Super Regional with his team I think it's had over 40 million views I think it's one of the examples of how you can actually hear the Holy Spirit come out in an individual Uh, I just read his latest book and I'll have links on that 15 to 28 story of God's love power and redemption so thankful for this interview coach Matt Diggs coach thanks for joining us man hey Dr. Rob I appreciate you having me love what you do and uh, really really appreciate you uh, offering this platform today Absolutely. I'm glad uh, Matt was able to bring us together, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's awesome. Uh, but like you said, passion outdoes logic. So that's that's it. That's it. <laughs> I'm going to use a lot of lines from the book, Coach. It's a fantastic book. Thank you. I wanted to start. I always start the podcast asking about mental toughness, but I wanted, to, I wanted to change that script. I wanted to ask if you could lead our listeners through in 2011, um, January 4th, you know, you're associate head coach of Texas A&M, and this is after a hunting trip. Um, can you pick us up from there and then talk about your story? Well, 
<clears throat> you know, two, 2011, 2000, or uh, January 4th, 2011 is, you know, probably one of my lowest points in my life, but it's also a pivot. It's a turning point and uh, unbeknownst to me at the time. And, you know, at that juncture, I didn't want to live anymore. Uh, you know, God had reached down and, and uh, just totally stripped me in, in an instant of everything, my identity, my family, my friends, uh, my identity as a coach, the team, the relationships, and, uh, you know, it, it wasn't anybody's doing but mine, but it was a, it was a turning point and breaking point. And I'm so hard headed and stubborn. I think looking back, I had to be totally broken and stripped of everything in order to ultimately realize the full plan and potential that God has in my life. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, I get fired and, uh, not only fired, but fired by my best friend and, uh, and not, he didn't, you know, I say this all the time, Rob Childress didn't fire me. I fired me. And, uh, in an instant you lose a, a six figure job, uh, you know, an identity, uh, status, uh, all the all the perks and trimmings that come along with being an associate head coach at a really great university, and uh, with that you lose the relationships, uh, the camaraderie. You know, I tell our team all the time. You know, this game is so fleeting. Uh, when it's gone or when it's taken from you, uh, it's not the game that you miss. It's the it's the camaraderie. It's the relationships, and without that. Uh, you know, it can be a very dark, scary place. And I, I didn't want to go on anymore. In fact, you know, I speak about it. I, I literally at one point had to hold my daughter, Chloe, who was five at the time, I think, uh, at night just to feel her heartbeat, just to feel some life. And, uh, so that I could go on and, uh, you know, as a very, it's the darkest, most dankest, dreary place that I've ever been. Uh, I don't wish it on anybody. I was in the midst of alcohol addiction and lying and cheating and conning and just really living for the glory of my own destruction. And I didn't get any better. Uh, you know, I, I quit for a period of time just out of the initial shock of getting fired, but that didn't last very long. And uh, back to the lying and the, the, you know, everything that comes with addiction and uh, with, with, you know, using a substance like alcohol and, and doing whatever it takes. So, uh, sneaking around lying, uh, doing just whatever it takes to get that next drink. And this goes on, uh, throughout the spring, uh, had to watch the team that I was a part of, you know, win the big 12 and, uh, win the tournament and, uh, you know, uh, host and win a regional, win a super regional at Florida state and ultimately play in Omaha. And I had to watch that from my parents' couch because that's the only two people I had left. Uh, I was kicked out of my own home, uh, didn't have a job, didn't have, you know, very few friends left. And, uh, you know, rightfully so. And, uh, the, you know, the summer rolls around and that's hiring season. And, uh, you know, nobody will touch me with 10 foot pole. Uh, I was, I was officially damaged goods. And, uh, 
you know, I learned a few things through that, that time period. And, and, you know, one of them is this, is that they're going to win with or without you. I don't care how great you are or, or how great you think you are. They're going to find a way and they're going to win with or without you. Another thing that I learned that is, is, is a cold hard fact really is that people move on and, uh, you may be in the midst of tragedy, but people will move on. And that is a stark reality that I think gets lost in all of this and, and for people dealing with this. And that's a lot of the reason that I wrote the book and that I speak is to, to let people know that, you know what, you may be lost and broken right now, but it's okay. And there is a way. And that way is, is through the redemption and love and power of Jesus Christ. And you know, at your lowest point, he is still there. And, uh, you know, I get into the summer and go for every single job that's out there. There must have been a million of them open that summer and uh, just don't even get close. And uh, ultimately, when I turned 40 in the middle of August, uh, I was working at a feed mill about 20 miles outside of College Station just to make ends meet. Houses for sale, uh, blown through all of our savings. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't have anything left. Kids are having to change schools. Kids are going on reduced lunch. So uh, coach. So at this point, no, nobody's hiring you. You've gone through your savings. Your house won't sell. Your kids are now going on reduced lunch and you're working at a feed mill. That will humble you, Dr. Rob. Right. Uh, that'll break you. That'll take you to the brink. You know, I'm loading 18 wheelers full of cattle feed. Uh, in the middle of August. I don't know if you've ever been in the back of an 18-wheeler in the middle of August, but it's it'll it's an eye-opener. Not the coolest and, place. And, uh, you know, I'm just another guy at that point. Uh, you know, I'm just a I'm, – I'm not the baseball coach anymore. I'm just another guy that's slinging cattle feed, horse feed, and deer corn 40 bags to the pallet in the back of an 18-wheeler. And, uh, this goes on and, and, uh, you know, by the grace of God, I get hired by a pharmaceutical company and, uh, still drinking and, uh, start, you know, go through the process of pharmaceuticals and, you know, I tell everybody I was a horrible pharmaceutical salesman because, uh, I was a duck out of water and the only thing I'd ever known in my life was baseball. And so, uh, I was a duck out of water. I was broken. I was still living a lie, still living in regret, shame, guilt, uh, still feeling as if I was damaged goods and uh, would sell pharmaceuticals all day and drink all night. So, and, Coach, let me ask you a question. So, I mean, you hit that lowest point. Why, why don't you think that was the bottom for you? Because I'm just one of those personalities that, you know, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. And just, I'm just one of those personalities that the bottom, I can go farther than the bottom. I, when I do something, I don't stop and that can be good. And it can also, it can kill you. And, uh, you know, n nobody's going to tell me what to do, you know, nobody. Right. And it just, there was no bottom. 
and he, you know, people say, well, what's your lowest? Well, there's, there's really not because it just kept going and going and going and going and going. And the whole time, you know, I'm still praying to God. And that's the interesting part about this. Please, God, please just let there be a job come open in the spring. And there's never jobs open in the spring, ever. Right. Uh, that's very rare. And if there is, they're going to promote somebody within the staff or it's going to be an interim deal. Yep. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget. It was, might have been February sometime of 2012. Uh, seasons go. And uh, late February, early March, I can't remember. And uh, I just got told off by a doctor in Pearland, Texas. And, uh, you know, the interesting part about this drug deal, selling these, these pharmaceuticals, is I still live in College Station. Or I would stay with my parents in Texas City. Either way, it's two-hour drive back to College Station or 30, 45 minutes to Texas City. So you, you're, you're, you're selling the drugs all day, and then it's a, you're going to pack up and go two hours or, you know, stay at home. And so in constant transit and uh, just got told off by a doctor uh, and I'm headed to the beer store and I park and my phone rings. And it's a guy I used to coach with at A&M who is also ironically enough selling pharmaceuticals. He helped me get into it. And uh, he says, dude, you're never going to believe this. But UL Lafayette, they're hitting coach and recruit, recruiting coordinator is getting out. He's going into private business. And I said, man, you call those guys right now and you tell them I will go there for free. So this is how serious this stuff is, is God has opened the door slightly, shown me a little bit of light. And instead of turning back around, getting in the car and leaving, I walk in buy a six pack of tall boys and continue on my way. And uh, sure enough, you know, that God's grace is greater than our sin after a yeah. period of time. Uh, there's one guy in the entire country that believes in second chances, and it's Tony Robichaux. And uh, he was, he offered me an opportunity, and uh, I did nothing to earn it. Nothing. I was still living in sin, and, and but God answered my prayer. And in the middle of the spring, I put on a uniform again after 430 days. So, Coach, when you take that that opportunity, that moment, uh, I mean, was that? And you talked about it in the book. I mean, you're going to a place where you know drinking is really prevalent. I mean, it's a great community, but drinking yes. is a big part of it. Were you, were you scared? Yeah, I was, and I was still drinking, and uh, not to the extent that I had, but still, still right. doing it. And uh, yeah, I was real scared. Uh, you know, I, I say all the time, though, God's got a sense of humor. He took a drunk and put him in the Lafayette, Louisiana, the drinking <laughs> capital of the United States, to get him to quit drinking. And uh, so quickly, you know, I, I was apart. I had reconciled with my family. But once again, we're apart for a large chunk of time. I live with the assistant coach, Anthony Babineau, and his family. My family's still in College Station because our house won't sell. Uh, and this is this is over well over a year. Uh, house just will not sell. And, uh, you know, we're apart again. But quickly, the Cajun culture and the people of Lafayette started to embrace me. And uh, 
you know, I walked into a really bad team. Uh, I think they finished 23 and 30, hit like 260. And uh, I was like, what have I gotten myself into here? And, uh, you know, go through that season and I do a lot of recruiting. I don't implement any of the pack or, and, you know, any of our offense. And that's what coach had brought me in to do. But he's very wise. And he said, look, just hold up on this right now. Right. See the season we're having. Uh, let's ride this out. And so I recruited incredibly hard. Uh, we kind of called the team a little bit and, and, and you know, picked and choose who we wanted to keep and and there was a lot of good talent on that team it was just it was just unrefined and uh signed some new guys and and uh you know lo and behold the season ends and and it's like the skies parted uh our household god blessed us with an incredible home outside of outside of lafayette and milton little bitty tiny probably not even on the map just a sugarcane community and he blessed us with this house just right in the middle of this thousands of acres of mm -hmm. sugarcane fields and the simplicity of the whole thing was very stark and uh, when we moved i'll never forget it's a it's a very humbling feeling to move and when the movers leave half of your stuff is in the driveway because it won't fit right. we could we couldn't afford anything else and so it was a long day of moving and this was kind of a sneak peek of what we were in for all of our stuff is in the driveway because half of it won't fit. Uh, and we go eat lunch. And while we're at lunch, a big thunderstorm hits. And we're like, we got to go. All our stuff is getting ruined. We're talking about furniture. Right. Uh, and we come back and there's a tarp over everything in the driveway. Really? From a person just, just because. And uh, that's the type of heart and love that we were walking into in that community. Wow, and, that's that's awesome because that part's not in the book. No, there's a lot. I mean, we could write another book. Right, sure. Uh, that's a great story, though. It's uh, it was just kind of a a God wink of this is what I'm doing now, and uh, so kind of fast forward, we get after it in the fall. We're changing the culture, implementing the pack, and uh, at the same time, though, I'm still drinking some and still lost i'm feeling like damaged goods at this point i'm very angry uh you so know what they, what's the what's the anger come from right there then coach i'm angry that i got fired uh, so, i'm angry okay. at myself just when it boils down to it it'd take a psychologist but probably i'm angry that i'm i'm, I'm in this situation of put my family in this situation right okay you know they talk about the five stages of grief I went through them and then went through them and then would go back through them. It was not, it was on loop. And, and <laughs> I've got white, white hot anger and rage in me. And I, I don't feel like I'm worthy. And it, uh, you know, God started to change all that, that fall. And, uh, we were attending a church. I didn't want to be in the church. I didn't feel like I deserved to be in the church. And, uh, my little daughter, Chloe asked, at the end, the, the preacher offered, you know, anybody here want to get baptized, feel free to come on up. The tank was upstairs uh, and we'll do some baptisms. And little Chloe, uh, and I, you know, I firmly believe that God speaks through the children. She, she asked, can I go up there and get baptized? And we were like, sure, baby. And she goes, well, daddy, will you go with me? And I was like, oh, I don't, you know, maybe mama or, 
because at this point I don't I don't feel worthy. And right. my kids and Kathy were like, just go, go up there with her, take her. And so I get up and the whole way I just feel it nudging at my heart and we're climbing the stairs. There's a long line and uh, finally make our way to the top. And uh, inexplicably, the preacher said, Daddy, you want to take her under? And I said, no, preacher, uh, today we're both going under. And I just felt the Lord tell me, when you go under, you leave it all right here. And there's a picture. I can't remember if I put it in the book or not, but there's a picture of me and Chloe after the baptism. Yes. And you can see in that picture how clear my eyes are. It's, I came up out of that tank and I felt like I felt as light as a feather and slowly started putting down some of the things I was doing. And, uh, you know, we head into, and, and so that was a turning point, man. And I'm like, I'm, I'm leaving it all here. And I got up and I was light and we head into the season and, uh, we're rocking and rolling, you know? And, uh, I, the God, God started to open my eyes and you know the number one the number one scheme of the enemy is to blind you yes and I had lived blind for so long and you know I speak of it in the book I believe that that there was a day in Lafayette after the baptism and everything that I'm I'm bebopping through the house and I see a sign hanging in the house and I can't get over how nice this sign is it says every day's a gift and I can't wait for Kathy to get home to tell her I like her sign. And she says, what are you talking about? And I said, you know the sign. What sign? That sign, every day's a gift. And she said, babe, that we've had that sign for five years. That was in our house in College Station. I never saw it. And so I'm coaching this team, man, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at them, and I start thinking to myself, you know, this kid's dad's in prison. This kid's mom's an alcoholic. That kid's mom's an alcoholic. This kid's brother just died. This kid's mom's been married five times. And this is what I'm in charge of. I was surrounded by brokenness. And I was the chief number one broken one among them. And, you know, what's crazy is I had proven over the years I couldn't quit drinking for God. That's and that's hard to admit. I couldn't quit drinking for my family, for myself, for the my career. But it wasn't until I looked at those guys and realized where God had brought me. My eyes were open and I said, never again. And that's been the case. I'll never let you down again. And I'm going on six years without a drink. I don't go to meetings. I don't do anything but give it to God, take action and keep getting up every single day. And I'm not going to let any of these boys down. And I know that sounds odd, but it's been the trigger that has led me to total freedom. And so if the baptism started to break the chains of bondage and my action I took that day totally set me free. And, and so, uh, you know, I start at that moment living a life of faith and sacrifice and obedience, and God starts rewarding those things. And uh, we had the largest turnaround in the NCAA that year from 23 and 30 to 43 and 20, uh, led the nation in, I think, 27 of 30 offensive categories, just freaky numbers with the, with essentially a lot of the same players. Right. Uh, it hit 260, led the nation in home runs, batting average, you name it, run score. Uh and ultimately lost to LSU in the regional championship game 
but that set the stage for the most remarkable season, I believe, ever by a mid-major. We were the, in 2014, we became the first mid-major ever uh, to finish the regular season as the consensus number one ranked team in the country. And uh, it's it's miraculous that God takes tragedy and turns it into triumph. He yeah. takes broken, he, he takes broken and makes it beautiful. I mean, all these kids, myself, were broken, 23 and 30, to that team finished 58 and 10. They were two wins off the all-time record for most wins in the season. And, uh, you know, you, 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 you go from there to, to God blesses us with the opportunity to become a head coach at Sam Houston State. Which Can I ask is, you a quick question, Coach? Yeah. And I don't mean to cut you off, man. What When you talk about now being a transformational coach, you know, because we – and you've mentioned this before, like redemption is a long time. I mean, you know, it, it that's the part I think I love about your story is there's not just one moment. I mean, these are many, many months and, and experiences – how did you change as a coach and with your interactions from, from that moment on? Well, 430 days out, being stripped of everything will lead to a lot of perspective, okay? And like I said, I realized a couple of things, that they're going to win with or without you, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, as long as there's a field, a ball, and a bat, and a team, couple of teams, they'll figure out how to win, all right? So don't put yourself on that pedestal. And the second thing that I realized is there – is that is is this is that I will always need them way more than they'll need me. Yes. And so if those if those two things are the case, then why not build them and build them and build them to a point where they believe they're impenetrable and they're super confident and love on them. And and when I say love, I'm that's not easy. I mean, I'm going to push you and push you and push you until you break or or think you're going to break. Yep. And we're going to find out you know, what's what and how mentally tough you are. But the difference is uh, at the end of the day, you're going to know I love you. When you wake up in the morning, you're going to know I love you. Okay. Now in between, we're going to have confrontations and there's going to be controversy. And uh, I'm, I'm going to, if God gave you the ability, I'm going to try to get it out of you. And it's going to be hard, but you're going to know that I love you and I believe in you and I'll fight for you and I'll go to the ends of the earth for you. Okay. And so that, that is to answer your question, Dr. Rob, that's that's how a lot of that came about is I need these guys way more than they need me. Yeah, I'm going to love them. I'm going to build them up. OK, I want to be a part of this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm fortunate to be here. And so, uh, you know, we go from there to, to Sam Houston State and and. Uh, you know, which is just 35 minutes for me and them. And, and uh, you know, God has just played in the conference championship game with the team we inherited in 2015 and then 2016 win the league and win the tournament for the first time in school history in the same year. 2017, we do the unthinkable and uh, go to the school and conferences first ever super regional. 2018, we win the league again. And uh, the press conference goes crazy, and God provides this unbelievable stage and platform to share his story through me. And uh, that's why I felt compelled to write the book. Absolutely, Coach. Um, let me ask you something, because one of my favorite parts of the book is, um, is, the, t is the ticket stub. So in 2011, setting the stage in 2011, um, you know, still in addiction, still drinking, but but you start running, and that's that becomes part of your 
Your well, can you talk about that? Dr. Rob, the, one of the hard parts about losing everything, yeah. and I'm being, I'm being genuine here, is waking up every day. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's easy to go to sleep because that's all you want to do. But when you wake up every day and you have nothing, then going to work or everybody else is going to work or school or they have a team to go to a job. Uh, you know, I, I, I had to, if I wanted to go on, find a way to get busy. And so I started working out and running and, uh, I'm not a runner, but I just started running and swimming, and just doing all this stuff. And at the point 2011, I'm still living in college station. This is late spring 2011. I'm, I've got no idea about anything about Sam Houston State. Nothing. I'm, and you know, I'm still so arrogant and selfish at that point that I'm way better than them in my own mind. And uh, but throughout this journey of of not wanting to go on, God would give me these little I, I call them God winks, and and it just proves that God's promises are real. Yeah. Uh, and and so I share in the book several of these stories and one of the stories that's really crazy is I'm in College Station and I'm running one morning and I look down and there's a little bitty piece of rectangular paper in the grass so I stop and I grab it and it's a little rectangular piece of cardstock with four perforated edges and I flip it over and look at it and it's an unused game ticket to a Sam Houston State Bearcat baseball game. And that's the type of stuff you can't make up. I mean, what are, what are the odds of that? And I uh, folded that little bugger up and put it in my pocket. And I just felt a renewed sense of hope that, you know, I felt God just, just telling me, don't quit, boy, keep going. Don't you stop. I got something right around the corner if you just keep going. And throughout my journey, there were several instances like that. Coach, so for the individual who's struggling that's listening to this podcast, can you share with us then uh, our identity and what is our identity in Christ and how does that come out? Well, I think, you know, and I, I speak about this a lot, and it's one of the things that I learned is that tying your identity to what you do instead of who you are and who you were made to be in Christ uh you know, if you're a believer or not, all right, tying your identity to what you do instead of who you are, maybe it's a husband, a father, a son, a brother, a believer in Christ, uh, a good friend, Though that in its essence is who you were created to be. That's who you are. But tying your identity to what you do instead of who you are, is, a, is a, it's a recipe for disaster, and I'll tell you why. Because nowhere in the Bible does it call me to be a baseball coach or a baseball guy or a baseball player. Nowhere. It just really and truly only calls you to do one thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul. Love your neighbors yourself, right? And so when I tie my identity to what I do, and then I run on an empty tank mentally, physically, and spiritually, which is what I was doing, right? That's how this happens. And then... Your perceived notion of who you are, maybe you hit a bump in the road, maybe you lose some money, maybe you get fired, yep. maybe you don't have the season you want, okay? Maybe uh, maybe you get demoted, you know, there's a there's a litany, litany of things. Maybe uh, you screw somebody up in a surgery, I don't know. Whatever you're tying your identity to as a doctor, lawyer, uh, 
you know, business owner, coach, entrepreneur, speaker, author, doesn't matter. When things don't go your way, maybe you write a book and it doesn't sell and you're running on empty mentally, physically, and spiritually, you will create a huge void in your heart. It'll be a gaping hole that can only be filled by the things of this world because you've tied your identity to the things of this world. Alcohol, drugs, lust, porn, gambling, addiction, you name it. You're going to try to fill that void. And that's the danger of tying your identity to something so temporary as what you do instead of who you are, who you were created to be and where you're going. And so if, you know, and it's not even if, Dr. Rob, there's people out there that are going to listen that are struggling. I can say a couple of things. Number one is that's okay. All right. We all have something. We all struggle. We all sin and fall short of the glory. There's nobody perfect. Right. Okay. And whatever you have done and however you are living, you are not beyond God's grasp. But there's a couple of things required. Number one is you're going to have to take action. Number two, you got to respond. Nothing's going to change in your life without the response and the action. And when you do those things and you tie it to God and you walk with faith and action at that moment, all things are possible. All bets are off at that moment. Incredible, crazy things can happen. So what about that, Coach? Um, I mean, an individual that's walking around and they've just got that shame that's on them, right? The evil one has just attacked them with lies and they can't get past that. I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy enough. What, what, do, we, what do you share with that individual? Well, a couple of things. Number one, God's grace is greater than our sin. Okay, so what you're living with is a lie from the enemy. You are always the last person to forgive yourself. Always. Right. And the second thing is this. Biblically, when we confess our sins and repent from them, God says biblically that he forgets about them. Yep. He moves on. He throws them into the depths of the ocean. It would be no different than most of us have children. You correct your children all the time. <laughs> and then you move on. Yeah. And guess what? Sometimes it's even funny. It's cute, but you have to correct it. If we do that for our kids, imagine how much more the creator of the universe does for us. Move on. Take some action, respond, and move on because I'm telling you it's okay. I love it, Coach. Um, you know, I was really looking forward to this interview. I know, I mean, we could keep going for hours, man. I, yeah. Um, um, you know, I, I, I went to college uh, to play baseball and fell off an 80 foot cliff and that didn't even get it for me, you know? So, uh, I really, really appreciate you sharing, um, and, and just being a part of this coach. And I know that, uh, some people listening, hopefully this will be a, a ticket stub moment for them. Well, thanks a lot, Dr. Rob. I love what you do. I love your heart, uh, your passion and, uh, just the outreach that you have. So keep doing what you're doing, brother. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. 
You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit